Hello and welcome to the Wildcard Rewind podcast. Week four is in the books, another ridiculously crazy week. So let's rewind and take a look. I just want to rewind to when we were young at Back to all those good times. Take me back to the start. So it's just the best two this week. It's me and Lewis. So Lewis, how are you doing? Good, thank you, Hannah. Good. It's nice not to have a, a shouty Welsh man next to us as well. Um, I thought week four was absolutely mental. We were saying before we started recording, it felt like kind of a flashback to the first week of the season when you aren't sure who's going to win. Two games went to overtime. There were teams getting blown out and then massive comebacks. Like It was really crazy. I didn't feel like I knew what was going to happen. It was really good fun, wasn't it? I am um, feeling a bit despondent at the moment, Lewis, as a Bengals fan. Things are not going our way this season. And I, I really think that we've had we been at full force, we would have had a chance because I do think the Chiefs aren't looking fantastic at the moment. Although, obviously, we've seen the rise of the Dolphins, although the Bills did uh, hammer them a little bit back into their place uh, yesterday. But the Bills are looking pretty good too. So I, I do think, you know, we would have been in the mix, but, you know, injuries and things kind of ruining the season. And I had bad, bad fantasy week, so not looking too hot for me this fine Monday, but hey, at least Paul's not here to abuse me. And I think because there's not two of you, you haven't got, you know, you're not going to gang up on me about how terrible my team is, even though they should have been good. The problem I, is your two teams were meant to be rubbish and they're really peppy and actually quite good. So I can't even make fun <laughs> of you. I was thinking about this beforehand because the last few weeks, I really feel like we've bullied you. Like I wasn't on after the Bengals beat the Rams, which now feels a little bit suspicious. Um, but the other two weeks, that the other two most recent weeks that I've been on, we have really gone, on, gone in on you with how bad the Bengals have been. And now it's at the point that like, and this is kind of uh, something that I've been really thinking about going into this week. Like we're now at the end of week four. So I feel like we kind of know the broad picture of things now like the teams who have been good probably are good the teams who have been bad probably are going to be bad like and the same with fancy players like you can start to trust players a little more that you might have not been able to you kind of people have been establishing who they are and that's kind of my thinking with the Bengals that I'm like it stopped really being fun to to bash on you for the Bengals being quite bad because it feels like as opposed to you know we're, we're doing it because we know you're going to turn around and crush the Titans this week or you're going to turn around and crush the Rams this week and now I just think Joe Burrow needs to sit like I think I think the season's over and I think that's almost sadder for you that it's not even fun for me to make fun of the Bengals <laughs> I know. I mean, at this point, I, I was saying to you before the show started, Lewis, I'm on the tank for Marvin uh, bandwagon and I'm hoping that we'll get the 102 so that we can pick him up, to be honest. So, you know, if we're not going to win the Super Bowl, we might as well get a good player out of it. We're probably going to lose T Higgins. So why not get a fantastic replacement in Marvin Harrison Jr.? So that's my flag now for the rest of the season. Tank for Marvin. So I'm going to be upset now if we beat the Cardinals. Oh, God. <laughs> It's us and the Cardinals. This is going to be terrible next week. I'm already re regretting it. I think I'm going to be sick next week. Sorry. Just tell it. Tell me in advance that you're not going to be well in a week. Yeah. Oh, God, how terrible. Gosh, if they lose, it's going to be a disaster. He'll be insufferable, won't he, Paul? He's the host next week as well, so you'll be in for one. 
Oh, God. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely sick next week, so sorry, everyone. You won't get my fantastic takes, as we see later on, seem to be going so well. But anyway, let's uh, let's first kind of mention that obviously week five is now upon us, the start of the bye weeks, um, which starts to make fantasy just a little bit more challenging. You're going to have to, you know, find replacements, have some extra kind of flex players that you can put into starting lineup. So this is where like stashing your upside players gets a bit more difficult as you start to try and find players that can contribute something to you this week and the next few weeks. So this week on by, we're looking at the Browns, the Chargers, the Seahawks and the Bucks. And actually on those four teams, there's quite a few fantasy relevant players there that you're going to be hurting a little bit to be to be missing. Although it's disappointing, I guess, to, to lose them this early in the season, it's actually quite useful to have their buy out of the way. And then you can you know that safely you can put them into lineups moving forward. Uh, how do you like to approach bye weeks, Lewis? Do you have a, a set kind of strategy? Do you try and have someone on your bench already? Or do you start looking this kind of week? Or how, how do you kind of look to, to navigate those? Yeah, so I don't really tend to pay too much attention to bye weeks when I'm putting together my team at the beginning of the season or, or, or in the draft or just after the draft. I think the only thing, because you can see a lot of arguments either way around sort of spreading out buys or whether you kind of try and draft players intentionally that all sit on the same week. So you essentially just tank one week, but then you're full strength the rest of them. To me, it's just about being active enough on the waiver wire that you can sort of make do in the interim, but understanding, first of all, if you have huge players, keep them on your bench um, don't drop them just because they're on by this week, but also just being a little bit smarter with targeting matchups uh, going forwards. There's obviously, as the buys approach us, like this week, there's a few fancy relevant options. I'm sort of looking at the charges as the big ones that people are really going to be missing, given how well Justin Herbert and Keelan Allen have been doing so far this season. But like really just making sure that you're targeting certain matchups and being a little bit smarter with your flex plays. Um you hopefully shouldn't be too bothered by it. But if you spot an advance that there's sort of one week that you're going to be really hit by buys, don't ruin your whole team to make it okay for that week. Like maybe just let yourself tank out that week a little bit and keep yourself full strength going forwards. Yeah, they can be so tough, can't they, to navigate? And like you say, I wouldn't be keen to drop either the these kind of high upside players that you think are going to come into something later this season, because I think as soon as you drop them, someone else is going to grab them, or your studs that aren't playing. It does make it tough, though, sometimes, because obviously in these short bench leagues particularly, it can be difficult to find someone that you want to drop to, to kind of pick someone up to, to cover your buys. I the, the ones that I find most difficult is when these short benches where I'll only roster one QB or one tight end, mm. So it's then putting them on your bench, but trying to find somewhere to, you know, a slot to use to pick them up. And I always struggle to find someone that I want to drop. But ultimately, you know, you have to do that to, to get through. And then if, I reckon like tight end wise, if you haven't got like one of the top three or four, you can probably drop the guy that you had already and just pick up someone else. And, yeah. you know, either hope that they make it back to you after this week or you can stream it going forward yeah the bye week is often an opportunity at quarterback and tight end and also looking at kicker and defense but you should be streaming them anyway to like start then streaming from then on so say for example if you had geno smith at quarterback 
now might be the time that you actually go, do you know what? He's not been performing amazingly. I'll drop him for the bye week and start streaming um, and see if I can get some equivalent options. The same at tight end, like genuinely at tight end, aside from what? Kelsey Andrews Hawkinson. You can probably stream the rest of them. Like that next group is actually. (laughs) Yeah, Laporta actually weirdly is the other option that you'd want to keep. But aside from that, you know, I I was thinking about that next group of like Kettle, Goddard, Fryermuth, who's now injured, Pitts, lest we talk about Pitts again. Like you can sort of move on from anyone except the top three and Sam Laporta, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be some navigating to, to do to get through those bye weeks, but we will get there in the end, although they seem to go on forever and ever. Every week you're then like, oh, I've got to figure something out. But that's, the, I guess, life of a fancy player. So let's have a quick look at the big news of the week. I mean, there's not a vast amount to go over, but um, Kenny Pickett suffered that MCL sprain and he's likely out for a few weeks here. I mean... This offence has been absolutely abysmal. I mean, could you say it was been worse than the the Bengals? I mean, nearly. They're, they're pretty much as bad. I need to find something, all right? <laughs> I mean, should we at this point be caring about this news? You know, do you think anybody will actually have been starting any of the Steelers? And, you know, based on him now being out, should they be worried about starting them? Or are you just like, I'm totally out, out on the Steelers at this point, not bothered about anyone? Yeah, I mean, if we look through, Deontay Johnson and Pat Frymuth were already injured. Um, then who else do you have? You have Najee Harris, George Pickens, Anna Robinson, Jalen Warren. All really been underperforming anyway. Like, I think the big thing for me is Kenny Pickett was was already um, the, forced, the fourth worst quarterback in the NFL by QB rating. Like, so there's an argument it can't really get much worse with Mitch Trubisky. But to me you probably wouldn't have been starting a stealer anyway. Um, This is really a moment. I I think we'll come back to this a few times during the podcast. This is the moment in the season where draft capital really ceases to matter. Like, it doesn't matter if you took Najee Harris in the third or the fourth. You should know by now that you can't start him um, unless, you know, you have really nothing out there. And some of those waiver wire pickups are, are really more reliable a start than him. So I think to me, like, I suppose you can throw out George Pickens, maybe if you're if you're desperate, but I think this is an offense to really be avoiding. Yeah, which is a massive shame because although Matt Canada stayed um, this off season, which I think ultimately has ruined this whole offense, they did show a glimmer of promise, obviously in the preseason, and I thought actually maybe they're going to be reasonably decent, but unfortunately it's not turned out that way, and. I kind of feel like it's only a matter of time before Matt Canada gets fired and maybe that's kind of the kickstart they need to to start looking a little bit better moving on here. Now, I know we've talked quite a bit about the Bengals already in this kind of episode, but I want to come back to them from a fantasy perspective because obviously T Higgins has now suffered this rib fracture and is likely going to miss a a few weeks. You know, typically this would be absolutely massive news because obviously we know the last two years the Bengals have been massive fantasy powerhouses, but obviously that's that's not the case this year. So I kind of want to take this opportunity to discuss the state of the Bengals' offence and really what this means for fantasy going forward. You know, Burrow, Chase and Higgins were all taken in kind of the first four or five rounds of, of drafts, you know, so people will have spent quite a lot of draft capital on them but they're just not producing really 
do you think this is going to get any better, Lewis? Can you give me a glimmer of hope? And like, what advice do you have for managers of, of Bengals players who are probably going to be struggling at the moment um, and, you know, are, are going to be saying, well, I haven't really got much choice other than to start some of these? So I think the the thing to me, um, first of all, I, I don't think I can give you a glimmer of hope. I'm sorry. Aside from the fact that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are incredibly talented and like maybe talent will win out. Joe Burrow is much less healthy than they're letting on. Um, and we were saying that I think they should probably sit him for the year because uh, he's more more valuable to the Bengals healthy going into 2024 than he is sort of stumbling through at the minute. Joe Burrow was looking into uh, our friend Rich at Dynasty Island um, tweeted that Burrow had had the fewest completions of 20 plus of 20 plus yards in the NFL with one. Um, but when I looked into this a little bit more, like he's only had four attempts of 20 plus yards, which is less than Andy Dalton had. And Andy Dalton started one game. It's the same as Gardner Minshew, who started one game. Like it's really poor for Burrow out there at the minute. I think the big thing for me is don't kid yourself into starting anyone except Mixon and Chase, who are kind of producing enough at the minute. Mixon's the RB20, Chase is the wide receiver 21. Like it's fine. It's not, it's not winning you any weeks, but it's not losing you a week by themselves um i think a lot of people are going to be talking themselves into tyler boyd at the minute or any of the other um receiving options on the bengals and like don't kid yourself into it like the offense isn't functioning let the bengals offense start performing on your bench and then uh play them afterwards like i would much rather watch burrow pull it together and go for 40 points on my bench and then go okay cool i now feel confident to start him than I would have him in my lineup going forwards for sort of 6.7 points every week. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I I feel at this point that you just can't start, bro, like he's just not startable. Yeah. Chase, I kind of feel like you've put so much draft, you know, he, he was taken in the first round, like there's probably, unless you've been really successful on the waiver line, like fantastic managed to get Puka or someone or, you know, another flex play that you can kind of put in there. You might be struggling to have a choice other than to play Chase. And again, you really need to have been successful on waivers, I think, to have a successful team based on the draft capital that you spent on Chase. And I think this is a really kind of good, um, not lesson, but just kind of experiment in like, how important draft capital is and who you pick in these kind of top rounds really can affect your team going forward and how successful they are. Um, And yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised that if teams with Chase are really, really struggling at the moment because, you know, you've put all your eggs, all your round one eggs in that basket when you could have had CMC. And, (laughs) you know, it's a very different story. But I mean, you don't know, obviously at the time, you know, you think, you know, past experience Bengals are going to be really high flying of course they're going to do really well and unfortunately you know the injury and everything and it's just just not to be um so yeah I I really am struggling to play any of them at the moment and I I, I put Chase in a a pinch because I probably haven't got much of another choice but Mixon even I I try and avoid because he's not getting the touchdowns you know he's getting the touches but one they're not very good so he's not getting very fast he's not getting many many yards and he's just not getting the touchdowns he's had one this whole season so I think unfortunately their their bench abs aren't they at this point so let's get rewinding the tape Lewis so 
as usual in this segment, we like to discuss things that we've learned from pre the previous week that's helped us as fantasy managers. So what have you taken away from week four, Lewis? Yeah, I think a really interesting thing, given we've spoken before about over-unders um, and the importance of looking at games that are going to be high scoring. And this is a similar type of uh, piece of advice that bad defences can sometimes matter more than bad offences. Um, if you look at, for example, the Bears-Broncos game, which had quite a low over-under, but actually ended up being quite an interesting game, the Bears uh, absolutely threw it at the end. Um, but because both defences were bad, you could basically play any player in this matchup, and it sort of worked out for you. And I think that's a really interesting thing to target, which is when you're looking into, okay, you don't want... Um, a really low scoring offense but if the but if the defense is bad enough especially if it's bad on both sides you might end up with a bit of a shootout type potential i think it's just worth considering when you look into who's going to start going forwards like a bad defense can piece together a good offense it can make a, a good uh, make a bad offense actually start ticking as we've seen with the broncos like the broncos conceded 70 points to the dolphins the week before so we should have had confidence to start the Bears against them, uh, even if the Bears did end up losing in the end. But that says more about them than it does the Broncos themselves. So I just think it's about sometimes, you know, we, we obviously know as a community to target bad defences. But to actually think a little bit more than that, that actually sometimes you can even do that with an offence that isn't very good either. Yeah, it, like you say, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And at the moment, I think how historically bad the Broncos are any kind of offence, I think, you know, you, you should be confident that you can put the players into your starting lineup and they're likely going to do well. Obviously, this week it's the Jets, so I think we've got more to discuss further down uh, and later on in the show about that. But um, I think maybe we can be more confident in some players <clears throat> with that matchup. For me, um, it, it's actually... I've had a tough week. A lot of my stud players have underperformed um, and a, a lot of players. So let's, again, we'll be chatting about this a bit later, but here's an example. So Paul's <clears throat> stud of the week this week was Jordan Addison. And obviously the last few weeks he's done pretty well. He's, he's given us quite a, a good number of PPR points. But so what I want to kind of say is you've got to look at the context to stud and dud weeks. So, Jordan Addison has currently been running as the wide receiver three in this offense. So he has had some great weeks where when he's on the field, he's been targeted and he's put up fantasy points. This week he had a dud, but he is not running the routes to, you know, he's not on the field all the time. So when he's on the field, he needs to get those targets. And if he doesn't, he's going to have a dud. So we know that Jordan Addison is going to be a bit of a kind of boom bust, like risky play. Whereas your studs that underperform, so let's say Debo, now we know that that offense is going to have, you know, there's so many playmakers that they're going to have up and down weeks, but Debo is on the field for pretty much 100% of snaps. So we know that Debo is going to bounce back over the next few weeks. Whereas Jordan Addison, he is going to bounce back, he's going to have more receptions and things, but still the playing time that he's getting is a lot smaller so he is a riskier play so it's kind of a bit like make sure you you know the context of these underperforming weeks and why they are happening because that will give you context as to whether you feel confident to start these players next week so like Debo not ideal but I do think I can put him in next week now he might not have a Brandon Ayuk week like he had this week with 100 and odd yards and have many touchdowns but he's certainly going to get 
he's going to get targets, he's going to get receptions, yeah. he's not going to have another zero week. Depending on game script, there is a risk if Jordan Addison continues just as a wide receiver three, that he's going to have a low scoring week. So for me, he's a less confident guy to put in my startups, you know, in my lineups versus your studs. And typically your studs obviously will always be on the field, but I think you just have to look at context. Again, trust the process, make sure you're always looking into things. Don't just look at the box score because it can tell lies. So look into things. Yeah, I think that's a really smart point. And I think it's it, it's really about sort of looking into more data and more evidence than just sort of, okay, they perform badly this week, which means they'll perform badly next week as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think sometimes people also, they get a bit of a, this player has burnt me, I don't want to put them in to my lineup. And then they leave them on the bench and then next week they go for a, you know, 40 burger and then you're like, oh, you know. Yeah. And so you just trust the process, but also, you know, look into things, listen to others and don't be scared to, to put them back in again, even if they've hurt you the week before. <laughs> before we move on to our kind of fun, fantasy studs and does our usual uh, kind of uh, sections, we're just about a quarter of the way through the fantasy season at this point, Lewis. So I thought it would be a good time for us to look at who are the top scorers at each position at, at this point and really just dig into, is this what we expected? Are there any surprises? And how do we think this is going to potentially change moving forward? So let's start with the quarterback position. Currently, quarterback one is Justin Herbert. Then it's Josh Allen. And then it's Lamar. Now, these are all pretty close together so that there's 10 points that split these guys. So nobody's kind of running away with the, the quarterback, uh, you know, position at this point. So is this the top three that kind of you were expecting, Lewis? Any surprises? And what are your thoughts kind of so far? It's not a huge surprise at all. Uh, these were three incredibly highly drafted quarterbacks. Uh, we're still obviously Patrick uh, Patrick Mahomes is is a little bit further behind, but like everyone's there that we expect to be there. The one person I wanted to touch on is Jalen Hurts. Um, he has sort of been underproducing considering he was actually going as the QB1 by ADP uh, or QB2 at the latest, sort of at the back of the second round. The Eagles offense is not producing in the way it was last year. Like he, he played quite well this week, but only because it was a shootout and because they sort of had to. Um, I think he's the one disappointment so far that you'd expect to be in there. But obviously looking at these names like... This, this is who we expected to be up there at this sort of point. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I think we, we could all kind of see that in certain scenarios and if everything broke right, that these three would be in kind of the elite top level. So, yeah, like you said, I don't think there's a, any kind of great surprise. Really, you know, Jalen Hurts is currently QB5 and Pat Mahomes QB8. But, I mean, everything's so close. So between... So the QB ones between QB one and QB twelve, we're looking at uh, thirty points. So it's it's really not a lot that separates them, really. So you know, I think when we do this in another four weeks, that could be all change. Yeah. Um. So again, I don't think there's anything too overly surprising there. Let's have a quick look at the running back. So CMC is like powering in the lead. Uh, he is uh, over 30 points ahead of the next running back, which is Raheem Mostert. And then in third position, I mean, the running back that absolutely no one expected, I don't think, to be in the top three through four weeks was Kyron Williams. So, I mean, we always kind of knew that the running back position is pretty volatile, but I mean, this is yeah. full on volatile, isn't it? 
when when we did our preview of who we thought could finish at, at, at number one at each position, like we were just we basically just said it's CMZ. Like there are other possibilities, I suppose, but we were both said, you know, it's gonna be Christian McCaffrey as long as he's healthy. To touch on Raheem Mostert and Karen Williams a little bit, they have obviously been studs to start off the season, especially because you would have probably got them off waivers um or drafted very late if you thought to. Uh, my worry about both of them. So and and this ultimately comes down to touchdowns. Raheem Mostert uh got over half of his points so far on the season in that week three game against the uh, the Broncos where he scored four touchdowns. Um, this week just gone, uh, he was on the field for less than 50% of snaps. Devon A. Chain played incredibly well. Like, I think we've already seen the peak for him. I mean, to say a four-touchdown week is the peak, then it obviously makes sense. But I worry for him rest of season that is, he, he might not be too consistent in your lineups. And again, for Kyron Williams, like he scored six touchdowns already on the season, and that's not what we anticipated. This week just gone, he rushed for over 100 yards. That's the first time he's ever done that in his career. The previous three weeks um, had all been under uh, 53 yards. He ran for 52 yards in the first two weeks and 38 in that loss to the Bengals. So I think with Kyron Williams, like I can't see him scoring touchdowns at this historic rate like because i think at the moment he probably will go just over 20 maybe just slightly under and i don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen so i worry for him that when the touchdowns go away then um some of his his sort of fantasy stud nature will be uh raheem most i wouldn't feel too confident starting despite the fact he's already at rb2 um kyron williams i would still feel confident starting for the next few weeks but just temper expectations like don't think this is your locked and loaded rb1 for the rest of the season yeah, 100% agree, Lewis. I think ultimately, again, I mean, CMC is out there on his own, but between running back two and running back 12, there is only 30 points. Anything can happen, you know, a couple of touchdowns and someone is the RB2. Currently, uh, A-Chan, am I saying it right? I, I can never remember how to say yeah. that. A-Chan is actually the running back four and he's played only two games, you know, in the yeah. season. So things change so quickly based on touchdowns and, and everything. I agree with you. Like, I think Muster, unfortunately, his best kind of games have, have been and gone. I think A-Chan's going to overtake him and he's going to start to fade in the background. Currently, I feel a bit more confident about in terms of the volume, but I totally get where you're coming from, uh, Lewis, in that I don't think the touchdowns necessarily are going to be there as frequently as they have been so far. So I don't think he's going to be in the top three, but he's some he's a guy that we're happy to start at the moment. So looking at the wide receiver position, um, the, the stud, Justin Jefferson, there at number one. I mean, did we expect anything less? Number two, Keenan Allen, a little bit of a surprise for me. And third, Ty- Tyreek Hill. So, Lewis, what are your thoughts on these three? I mean, Keenan Allen is the surprise, but then I think we always knew he had the upside of like a top five wide receiver finish. I don't think we expected him to be scoring at the rate that he has, especially with touchdowns. Like, I think we always thought that was probably more likely Austin Eckler or Mike Williams. It helps that they have both been injured. I think that makes a big difference to Keenan Allen. So I think he's the surprise here. Like, Justin Jefferson is just the most complete wide receiver, but also... um, the most consistent like he's just good for 100 yards plus every single week um Tyreek Hill's been quite interesting um he obviously has exploded um but then really quietened down a little bit uh in the loss to the to the Bills this week I'm not saying temper expectations he's Tyreek Hill he can take any play to the house um but I think yeah this this top three is 
it wouldn't have been a huge surprise if we predicted this before the season, especially with um, with Cup injured, with Devontae Adams playing with a backup, with Jamar Chase being on the Bengals. Um, I think, you know, this is kind of what we would have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting kind of wide receivers sitting below them. Obviously, wide receiver for Puka, I don't think, <laughs> even though, you know, even Puka truthers, I don't think would have imagined that this is where he would be this far in the season. Obviously, no. cup injury has, you know, really kind of accelerated, you know, his kind of role in that offense. But even then, I still don't think we'd have predicted that, you know, he's he's kind of gelled so well with, with Stafford. So I'm, I'm interested to see how yeah. he goes over the kind of the next half of the season and hopefully with Cup back as well. But yeah, like you say, ultimately, these are, th- are three players that were all drafted as wide receiver ones and here they are producing as, as wide receiver ones. I'm interested to see. I think ultimately, you know, I do think the wide receiver position is is much more stable than um, a lot of the others. So I think ultimately probably some guys that we've drafted as wide receiver ones will end as you yeah. know these elite three wide receivers, uh, but interested to see where we are halfway through the season. I think probably the most volatile position this season has been the tight end position. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a surprise, really, not to see Travis Kelsey here at number one. It's actually TJ T. Hawkinson at this point. Sam Laporta, like rookie tight end, kind of breaking all all expectations from rookie tight ends, is is currently number two. And then, very surprisingly, Cole Komet is number three now. <laughs> I think we've talked plenty about this tight end landscape, haven't we? And how basically, you know, you catch a few touchdowns and you the tight end one. Yeah. Um, but but still, you know, a little bit surprising with with those three, particularly with, you know, kind of Travis Kelsey and, and Mark Andrews. I know both of them have been injured um, and have missed games, but still, you know, surprising not for them to, to make it into the, the top three at this point. Yeah, it was definitely a surprise not to see Kelsey or Andrews, but I suppose they both missed a week and that's kind of all you really need. Um, although they, you know, Mark Andrews had a really good week this week. The interesting thing for me here isn't so much looking at the names because I think we sort of know with tight end that you just sort of sort of start someone and hope like there's no one you really feel too confident in. The interesting thing for me is looking at the nature of the scoring. Um, so the tight end one at the moment is obviously TJ Hawkinson. Um, the equivalent point scored if tj hawkinson was a wide receiver he'd be wide receiver 26 um, which is currently terry mclaurin who has been fine ish like you know he's an he's an all right flex play he might have some upside each week like i think that's just an interesting thing to look at that like normally we have this travis kelsey huge year where it's a massive drop off then you know travis kelsey would have been the wide receiver four but after that it's a huge drop off your tight end one is not even a wide receiver too. Like he's a he's a flex play. So I think that just gives you an insight into like the nature of the landscape. That really, if you score a touchdown on the week, that's it. You're fine. You're the tight end one on the week. Yeah, great point, Lewis. And it is really interesting. Is that I would be again. I'm interested to see in this kind of next quarter when we reach the halfway point of the fantasy season. I won't be surprised if if Andrews and Kelsey are starting to to pull away at that point. Um, as they kind of get over their injuries, but yeah, it's a really, really flat position this year, isn't it? And oh God, isn't you know when it's like this, isn't the time position just the worst? Like 
I, I really feel like we could do with some overhaul with kind of the scoring for them or something like that because yeah. it's just an absolute crapshoot. It, it is. I, I think, to be honest, it's one of the reasons I actually quite like it. I think because I've seen a few people say before that they, as opposed to tight end, they'll start a wide receiver, running back, tight end flex. You can pick up a tight end if you want, but basically you start another receiver. I quite like having this position that puts a little bit of, first of all, like a little bit of randoms into it, but also a little bit more thought into okay who do i think has a great matchup this week which offense likes to feature a tight end which you know which linebacking core do i want to attack like i quite like the random nature of it uh, although yeah sometimes when you find yourself starting you know pat frymuth or dallas goddard or carl pitts or george kettle and you drafted them in like the sixth or seventh and they score three points you think i wish we didn't have this position <laughs> I know. I think for me, the disappointing thing is it doesn't it doesn't actually um, accurately replicate or you know understand the time position as a whole. You know, yeah. there's there's not you don't just be a receiver as tight. Now some of them obviously are better receivers than others, and that's why. But do you know what I mean? It doesn't. I feel like there should be scoring to replicate. Right? How good are you, are you as a tight end? Not how good are you as a wide receiver? And that's where I think it's a little bit of a shame, really, because, you know, there are some fantastic tight ends that just are not receivers in there. So, yeah. so, so you're looking for, like, blocking points, pancake points. George Kittle will be really absolute stud. <laughs> I mean, we've got IDP, so why not, you know, add those kind of scores into the tight end position? I, I would love to see a fantasy. Oh, there was something that was made that... that included this i'd love to see a fancy game that included o-linemen and just see how on earth you try and figure out that scoring but i'd love some love for the big boys yeah i i think that would be good fun um yeah like you say again there's five of them so it's going to be a challenge to pick who who the hell do you pick for your team but still sounds good <laughs> no. fun doesn't it and then you'll be celebrating uh -huh. when they've uh like yeah, a clean oh they've kept a clean pocket that's four points exactly pancake someone to the floor 10 points <laughs> no fantasy players know who any o-linemen are anyway so it's true apart from the ones that on the team that they support yeah that's it i do because my brother played center uh, not in the NFL, um, but my brother, my brother played centre, so I'd often pay attention to them. And as an ex-rugby player myself, and as a prop, I like paying attention to the trenches. Um, but so I do know quite a few. So maybe, oh, maybe that'll—that's my new path. Maybe that's my my uh, expert analysis that I can take forwards. O-line fantasy. Yeah, that's why you want the O-line because you know that you'd beat everyone. <laughs> Finally, get something. I know. So it, I just found it really interesting to kind of look at, at what's been going on so far mm. and and how it's kind of yeah. I mean, it's, it always is crazy. And I've listened to a few things now where they say, look, at this point of the season, last season, there was like some really random players that were you know in those top elite kind of yeah. positions in the fantasy landscape. And you know, the season's so long that anything can can change. They'll be kind of studs for the first four weeks and then drop off the radar, may even be released by the team. By yeah. then, so you know, um, Henderson, Daryl Henderson, is that his name? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like last season, he started off as a bit of a stud, and then obviously by the end of it, they'd been, he'd been released by the Rams. We've never heard of him again. Yeah. So, you know, all sorts can happen in the season. So, I think we should check this out every quarter and, and see where we are. Yeah. So let's move on to our usual uh, segments now. Let's start with Fantasy Stud of the Week. So 
obviously here we like to look at those under the radar players or maybe flex type players that we think could overperform, exceed expectations, and maybe you should look at, at putting into your lineup in, in week five. Let's first look at about how we did last week. Now, I'm not sure we really oh. want to do this, uh, Lewis, because it was, if to say a disaster is it's probably to put it lightly, to be honest. Mm. So Paul obviously went back to the well with Jordan Addison. And I think he's going to be regretting that now because, unfortunately, Jordan Addison had only one target, but he didn't manage to haul it in. And, unfortunately, uh, he had zero points this week. So, sorry to anyone who listened to Paul. Uh, Lewis, you had Gerald Everett, which actually he, he was the most successful of them all this week because he had two receptions for that's nine not, yards. That's not a positive, though. <laughs> It isn't, but I mean, we've it's got to an, take anything. It's an indictment on the three of us that Gerald Everett was the most successful pick. <laughs> I do have to say, though, so my fantasy stud was Luke Musgrave. Now, unfortunately, he only had one catch for one yard and then he suffered a concussion. So I would just like to point out that I could have been more successful mm. had he not been injured. So I'm going to kind of imagine that he had he stayed in the game he would have been an absolute stud and everyone would have won their weeks because of my recommendation of Luke Musgrave so you can't tell me otherwise because he got injured so I'm going to stick with that I like it I like the approach so what do we think this week Lewis who's your fantasy stud of the week um, so I'm going with quite an under, under the ra radar player this week, um, and he is actually playing tonight, uh, Wandell Robinson um, for the New York Giants. Um, he only made his debut last week against the 49ers. He was only on for 22% of snaps, but in that time, um, he saw five targets um, and hauled them in for four receptions, only 21 yards. So I think they're bringing him quite slowly after he tore his ACL last season, but he absolutely showed some potential. Um I'd be quite interested to see what happens then tonight. The Dolphins, we know, are vulnerable out of the slot. They played Stefan Diggs quite a lot out of the slot. Um, the Bills against them last week to, to a lot of success. Now, the issue is the Giants only have slot receivers, so we don't really know who's going to be playing where. Wondell Robinson, I think, was quite an exciting prospect. Uh, he obviously flashed a little bit before he tore his ACL. And I think with the Dolphins' offense the Giants are likely to be coming from behind and needing to pass a lot. So I think for me, Wondell Robinson getting sort of seven, eight, nine targets is is within the realm of possibility. And he's likely out there on waivers as well. So I think he could be an interesting one to throw in. Yeah, I do think he's one of those great guys, you know, like we talked about in the first uh, ever episode when you were joining us, Lewis, you know, when we discussed Rashid Shaheed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think he's one of these great players where if you're if you're suffering with with kind of players on buys this week and you think, oh, this team it really needs kind of some sort of boost or lift if it's gonna win, that's the kind of player that you want to put in where you yeah. know he has actually, although he has a low probably floor, he has a high ceiling. So we'll uh see how it goes. And uh, I think that Wandale could be a good shout this week. We'll so I've been, a bit, I've been a bit chalky this this week, Lewis, because it's been such a disaster. I just need a bit of a win here. I've had a long week at work, so I want I want a win. So I've gone for for Brees Hall. So he's playing as we've discussed a pitiful Broncos defense, um, and I think either they'll have a lead, so they'll be handing off the ball uh, more often to obviously keep uh, the ball and and get the timer down. Or they'll have to rely on Brees because Zach Wilson is just not it. 
I know in week four he looked much, much better. But I do think, unfortunately, this is uh, kind of a bit of a... Well, not unfortunately, but I think he, he will come crashing down, I'm afraid. I do think it's a sell-high opportunity, though, uh, for dynasty managers. I know that we don't usually talk dynasty. It's not our thing. But, you know, luck has performed well. If he's on your bench, get rid quick, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see it, potentially. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's actually going to turn around, but I don't believe it. Let's look at our fantasy scares then. So this is where we looked at usually like your studs or your hyped up players that we think are going to underperform and unfortunately upset us and our fantasy teams in week five. Now, last week, actually, this is this is when it gets really bad, Lewis, when Paul was the most successful of us. Yeah. Because he picked Carl Pitts, who unfortunately had two receptions for 21 yards. I mean, his name's not John o. Smith, so he's obviously not getting targeted <laughs> for the tight end position. Um, Lewis, this was a pretty bad one for you terrible this week. week. Terrible week. Maybe it's why my, why my learning was to target bad defences, because I picked Justin Fields. He was a QB4 on the week. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what. You know, I was going to say that was the lesson that you could because he did throw for 334 yards, four touchdowns. He did have an interception. You know, it's not Justin Fields without an interception at this point, is it? <laughs> but he had 27.9 fantasy points and is currently the QB4 in the week. So, I think he's done pretty well there. But I didn't do much better. I thought Zach Wilson was you know, in the trash now and he wasn't going to do anything. So I had Garrett Wilson, particularly going against uh, the, the Chiefs defence, which has been pretty stalwart so far this season. But he actually had nine receptions for 60 yards, 15 fantasy points, and he's a wide receiver 23. So he is currently in that wide receiver two territory. Now, obviously, we've got another game to play. So ultimately, I think he'll be a wide receiver three. But, um, you know, not the worst performance. Um, yeah. So what about... You, you've done all right there. I think, you know, Garrett Wilson potentially finishing after tonight, like wide receiver 26. I, I don't think that's something you should be lambasted for. Paul's pick was obviously really good um, and mine was not. <laughs> well, you know, there's always next week, Lewis. That's why we're here. So let's <laughs> see if you can be any better this week. Who is your pick for week five? Oh, so again, I keep going for slightly too ambitious players um, and they're not feeling great about it. So I've gone for Trevor Lawrence this week. Um, Trevor Lawrence was really exciting. I actually mentioned him as, as a potential QB1 overall upside player uh, when we when we recorded before the season. He's currently the QB19. Um, he's only thrown for four touchdowns. Um, he, he's not playing hugely well at the minute like we can see that all of the pieces are there um but it's not quite working um now obviously if you drafted trevor lawrence you're still probably starting him the issue for me is they're playing the um the bills this week and the bills defense is absolutely for real um they are the best defense uh against fancy quarterbacks so they're allowing an average of 7.57 points to the quarterback position per game um which obviously is not something you really want to be doing uh, or some, someone you really want to be starting. Uh, they held Tua, um, who was obviously incredibly, uh, you know, he's currently the QB6 and that's including how awfully he performed this week. They held Tua to 13.98 points this week and the Dolphins offense 
is twice as explosive as the as the Jags, and ten times as explosive as the Jags. I think I just worry for him. Like we're still seeing a few of that sort of early career nervousness from him. Um, Calvin Ridley obviously exploded in week one, but then couldn't really put it together aside from a touchdown in London this week. I just would be a bit worried starting Trevor Lawrence this week. Uh, I, I could see him falling to pieces in front of a really frightening defence. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I'm really interested to see how, how he gets on. Like you say, they're just not quite clicking out. There's something not quite falling into place for them at this point. No. Um, and maybe it will later in the season, but they have been a little bit disappointing, really, to, to start off the season. Um, I don't know if you can call my player a stud because we didn't draft him like a stud, but he's been playing like a stud so far. And obviously we discussed him in our elite players or players that are in the top three at the moment, and that's Kyron Williams. So he is getting, you know, a lot of volume. So ultimately he's he's a, a good start at the moment, but he's facing Philly and they've allowed the fewest fantasy points to running back so far this season. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup for him. We saw how he struggled against the Bengals and I think he's going to struggle again in this one, unfortunately. So I feel much less confident um, kind of having him uh, in my lineups this week because I think he's going to have a tough matchup. Yeah, I can absolutely see it. And like, I am not convinced the Rams offense is going to stay as efficient as it has been. Um, and like we said earlier, like, I think touchdowns are going to be huge for Kyron Williams. And I am not convinced that he will continue to get them. I can see the Rams getting blown out this week, uh, which I don't feel good again, good about. But then we would have looked at this before the season and expected to get blown out here and wouldn't have expected to be two and two going into it. So yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think this is a moment where people will be very excited about a player that's playing incredibly well. And I think just tempering expectations on Kyron Williams to be like, yeah, he's been playing much better than you thought he would, but he's not CMC. He's not, you know, he's not actually an RB1, even if he's playing like one at the minute. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think his his value is coming from volume, isn't it, at the moment? And like you yeah. say, even if he gets the volume, but he's being stopped, you know, he's, he's still not going to get the points. So really, he needs the yardage and also, obviously, the, the, the touchdowns to, to stay relevant. So yeah. we'll see how he goes this week, but I'm, I'm not feeling too confident in him. So let's move on to our wild card of the week. Um, this is my kind of favourite segment because we look at our hot takes and what we think could happen this week. Now, again, oh God, honestly, Paul's had a pretty good week going two for three. Because um, he said the Panthers' mis misery would continue and they'd go in 0 4. And obviously, he was right. Although the Vikings did try and let them win, they did eventually oh, yeah. win 21 to 12. I, I think we should have argued back that an 0 3 team going to 0 4 is yeah. not, it's not, it's not exactly a wild card of the week, is yeah, it? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just an observation. Yeah. On my wild card of the week this week, I think Patrick Mahomes might throw for a touchdown. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think that's a great, great one, Lewis. I think, I think that's really hot. Now, this was, if only you'd said them the other way around, to be honest, with this one, Lewis, because you said the Dolphins would beat the Bills by more than two touchdowns. And unfortunately, it was the opposite. The Bills kind of smacked them down and, and beat them 48-20. Yeah, good fun, though. Fun game. Yeah, it was really good fun. <laughs> and it was a great game. So that's all we wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> now, I said that Travis Etienne would have more receiving yards than Drake London, obviously, for this international matchup. I thought it was a bit of fun to see what, you know, what we get. And it, I was quite close, to be fair, but unfortunately I was incorrect. Drake London had 28 yards and Etienne had 17. So, I mean, 
to still pretty disastrous for London. I mean, the only thing that saved his his day was that touchdown. But yeah, um, I mean, that, that's the thing. You would have been right two out of the three previous weeks with how well Travis Etienne performed. Like you, the the basis of your prediction was right. Even if Drake London, then it was just that ETN slightly underperformed. Like the base of your prediction is that Drake London is not going to perform very well, which is like the touchdown. He didn't. He didn't. That's right. But uh, my hot take didn't quite sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we think is going to ring true this week, then, Lewis? Give us your hot take. Ah, uh, I, I think this one, if it does come off, will sizzle. Um, I think, and this is slightly going against a couple of the things that you've said earlier. I think Zach Wilson finishes as a top 12 quarterback on the week. Uh, They are playing the Broncos defense. I spoke earlier about how you can target bad defenses. And my example for that was actually the Broncos. The Jets offense started to piece it together. Uh, The thing I think you have to remember is Zach Wilson wouldn't have taken any preseason reps um, with the starters. Um, So he is kind of working from behind. He actually in the postgame took responsibility for some actions, which shows he might be getting a little bit more mature, although it's not a huge comparison to how bad he was beforehand. Um, And... The thing that I was looking at as well is, so if you're just looking at the average on the season right now, Justin Fields is a QB 12. He averages 17.75 fantasy points a game. So if we're looking at that, it's reasonably achievable for Zach Wilson to throw a couple of touchdowns. If that's, you know, 200 yards and two touchdowns, I think it might be doable, especially against quite a bad, bad defense. Now, the worry here is that um, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook win the Jets of the week um, and Zach Wilson just has to game manage which I'm not even sure I believe in him to do that but I think with him having performed quite well against the Chiefs um, I could see things going a little bit better for him and and you know this is this is for wildcard of the week uh, I wanted it to be a little bit spicy um, so yeah Zach Wilson top 12 quarterback this week yeah, I mean, he's going to have picked up a bit of confidence, isn't he, after that game? And I you did notice say. that Aaron Rodgers was uh, watching from one of the boxes, so I do wonder whether he was kind of trying to perform a bit better because Aaron was was there keeping an eye on him. Uh, <laughs> and and Taylor Swift watching from the oh, sidelines. Yeah, that's so. Oh, well, obviously, because, you know, he likes his... Well, I know she's not a MILF, but, you know, <laughs> he likes his ladies, do you, doesn't he? Do you know, Hannah, in my entire Zach Wilson segment, I was trying to refrain from using the word MILF. And with Paul not being here, I thought it wouldn't be uttered at all. <laughs> and then you come straight in with it. <laughs> I've spent way too much time with Paul at this point, Lewis. You know, he's rubbed off on me a bit, unfortunately. Um, So I wanted to stick with the international game theme um, because, you know, there's another game in London this week. It's the Jags versus the Bills. Um, And I'm actually back on the Jags uh, kind of theme here. And I'm going to say that Christian Kirk will have more receiving yards than Calvin Ridley. Now, I suppose that might not seem too hot, but technically Calvin Ridley is the wide receiver one in mm-hmm. this team. Now, I know Kirk has, has been more successful the last couple of weeks, but at some point I think Ridley is going to kick back in gear um, and we're going to start to see more from him. But I don't think it's going to be this week and I think Kirk is, is going to have more yards than Ridley this week. I think the real worry for me with Calvin Ridley, because obviously he performed massively in week one, eclipsed 100 yards, over 10 targets and a touchdown. And we all went, Calvin Ridley's back. It's fine. He he hasn't missed a step at all. The worry for me is that he only saw two targets this last week. And they're playing the Falcons. So I know obviously they had AJ Terrell on him quite a lot. But Christian Kirk saw 12. Like that 
is the sort of thing that just starts to get my hackles up a little bit that I'm like, okay, yeah, you would have had tighter coverage, you would have a better corner on you, but like you shouldn't be only seeing two targets if you're the wide receiver one for the team. Like true alpha wide receivers, when when their offenses see them that way as well, when their quarterback sees them that way, they will force them the ball no matter what. It doesn't matter who Justin Jefferson's on, it doesn't matter who Cooper Cup's on, like they will force them the ball and they will trust them to beat them. Two targets in the last game for Calvin Ridley is really worrying for me. So I, I can see this one absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder a little bit about the play calling there at Jacksonville because obviously we know that it isn't... Uh, why is his name fallen out of my head right this moment? Doug, Doug Prescott. Doug, Doug Peterson. Peterson. Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. And why not, why not com combine Doug, Doug Peterson and Doug Prescott into one person? <laughs> But he's not he's not play calling at the moment, is it? It's, it's this other guy. And I think there's been a lot of mumblings about, oh, this play calling has not been great, blah, 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 blah. So I do wonder kind of how or whether the scheme's kind of been evolving a little bit and whether Ridley's not quite kind of been in it so much. But I don't know. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Maybe Ridley's just not performing as we would hope and he's not getting open as much as kind of they would have hoped. Uh, and yeah. therefore he's not kind of uh, giving us those fantasy points. And like you say, it's interesting to see how things develop over the next few weeks. For sure. Especially because Christian Kirk, when Zay Jones was healthy, Christian Kirk wasn't seeing the field in, in two wide receiver sets. And that was worrying. And now, actually, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Zay Jones comes back, whether or not Christian Kirk's overtaken him. I would be stunned if Calvin Ridley was coming off the field in two wide receiver sets. Like, I don't think they'd do that. But it's interesting to see if Christian Kirk is moving up the depth chart a little bit. Um, the only thing I was going to say is, do you think that having Zay Jones on the field helps Calvin Ridley out? Because there's another kind of... Because at the moment, obviously, they've got Christian Kirk and, and Ridley, and then there's not really anybody behind them. You know, maybe having those three guys actually is going to make a bit of a difference in that Ridley's going to get a bit less attention. Like, you know... Who cares about this wide receiver three and four? They're not going to do anything. So, you know, nobody. So they're putting a lot of attention on Ridley. I don't know. Um... Potentially. I'd, I'd be quite interested to look into, I was talking about AJ Terrell, and I'd be quite interested to look into the stats in terms of CB1 coverage on Calvin Ridley and whether it is that he's just seeing the attention of all of the best corners so far. Um, unfortunately, Trey White uh, suffered quite a big injury in the last game, so we won't see him against Calvin Ridley this week. Um, but the, the Bills defence, it will be really interesting to see the way they try and cover him. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, maybe if Trey Wright's not in, they're going to struggle a bit more. We might see a bit more of him. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to be there. So I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, I can see it in real time and let you know, Lewis. <laughs> Although one thing about going to the games, I'm not there this week. I'm there the week after. You you see way less when you're there live. Like you, you definitely don't get to see the ins and outs of everything, but it's way more exciting when you're there in person. Yeah, last uh, year I had quite high up seats, which was pretty good because it was like watching the All-22. Yeah. So you could, you know, see that you didn't see the players, obviously, in such good definition, but you could see like all of the, you know, where everyone fanned out and who was open and who yeah. wasn't. So I quite enjoyed that. This year I'm a bit lower down, so I don't think I'm going to get to see it quite so much, but I'll get to see, maybe get a T-shirt on the gun and that kind of thing. So <laughs> we'll see. It's exciting, though. I think you'll have a great time. It should be a really good matchup. 
yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I think this is going to be good. And then next, the next game as well. Um, and again, I think that'll be fun, but I think that's going to be a Ravens kind of walkover, really. So not quite as competitive. Yeah, Just say. super quickly before we finish, Lewis, there's one thing we didn't touch on, and that was Mike Evans suffering another hamstring. Um, and he's been doing pretty well this season, you know. I think people were kind of a bit off him in the off season. They were thinking that he was maybe on the decline and how would Baker, you know, be able to support him, et cetera, et cetera. But he's kind of come out as as the kind of true wide receiver one on this team, particularly for fantasy purposes. Uh, but he may well miss a few weeks. So does that make Chris Godwin much more appealing from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, Chris Godwin had a great week. He saw 11 targets for eight catches and 114 yards. Um, so I think I'd definitely be paying attention. Obviously, they have a buy, so it might be that Mike Evans is back in time. Um, but if not, I would actually look into Trey Palmer. Um, Trey Palmer, uh, as a rookie wide receiver, scored two touchdowns on the year already. Um, saw 75% of snaps um, uh, against the Saints. I'd be really interested to see how he plays um, if Mike Evans can't recover after the buy. Yeah, I mean, I do think if you've got these kind of long benches and you've got a spare spot, then Palmer might be a good pick up this week because obviously no one's going to be looking at them because they're on a bye. So yeah. you might well sneak him onto your team. And obviously, if he starts to do something, then you've got him on your bench and you've not had to spend loads of fab on him. So Absolutely. maybe want to sneak onto your team uh, sooner rather than later. So thank you for joining me, uh, Lewis. It's been an awesome week. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on X. You know where we are, at Wildcard Rewind. And obviously, you know, you can also head over to our YouTube channel, searching for Fancy Wildcard Podcast Network. And, of course, please subscribe to us there. Until next time, though, look forward to seeing you then when we rewind week five.